Welcome to Apply the Word. It is April 15th, tax day, <laughs> and we are here to talk about Dad's message from yesterday. Dad is Benny Phillips, our pastor, and he preached from Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, titled Children of the Light. We are in our series on Ephesians still. We're going to be talking about the application, uh, a lot of put-off, put-on talk. Um, right. Before that, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods yes. because he won the first time in 11 years in a major yesterday, and uh, this Apply the Word podcast is becoming a sports-slash-apply-the-word podcast. So. <laughs> right. All right, let's go. All right, well, I'm here with uh, Benny Phillips, and we'll get into his message from Ephesians in a second, but... Yeah, the question is, Tiger back on track to catch Jack? (laughs) (laughs) That's immediately going too far. Um, He just won his 15th. He's 43. He's like the seventh oldest person to win a major. Wow. um, Wow. Which is crazy. That is crazy. And he last won the Masters when he was 29, which mm. makes me feel so old. Wow. Because I remember when he was dominating. Yeah. And it's been a long time. Well, 2008 was the last major he won. So yeah. was, was that, I don't know if that was the Masters or no, not. No, it wasn't the Masters. His last Masters, I think, was 2005 or 2006. Oh, okay. okay. Um, Man. But yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. And he was, it was classic yesterday. Yeah. I mean, the way he was carrying himself, everything about it was incredible. Um, you were, were at a restaurant. Yeah. Just describe the scene there. Because oh, yeah. Well, I, we, only I, Tiger can do this. Right. We, we were, uh, went out after the meeting, uh, with a young couple for, for lunch. And, you know, I kept trying to glance up at the TVs. We were in this burger joint and I was kept, you know, but I couldn't really hear anything. I could tell he was still in it. Right. But I couldn't really tell what was going on because I had to stay engaged in that conversation because I'm a pastor. And, <laughs> But, I mean, the place erupted. I mean, the guys at the bar were hooting and hollering. And, I mean, it was a crazy... It, it really was that uh, Buffalo Wild Wings uh, scene. Uh, commercial, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, we were at Graffiti Junction, but it was the same idea. And it was... Um, yeah, people were really into it. Yeah, people were really into it. Other than probably Jack Nicholas, Like, there's never been a golfer who's who can cause that kind of reaction. Right, right. Um, That is that is the tiger effect. Yeah, Arnold Palmer, he could. Arnie, Arnie's army, they called it. I would have. I'd be sad that I didn't know that. Except it means that I'm not 72 years old. (laughs) So, Um, the it and it completes the classic American celebrity cycle Mm. of. You have this meteoric rise. Everyone loves you. When you fall, everyone loves to kick you while you're down until you win again, and then they love you again. And that um, it's pretty disturbing in some yeah, ways. It really is. Really it disturbing. Really is. But seeing him um, hugging his family at the yeah, end was, cool. um, was incredible. Like yeah, I, yeah. I got, a, got a little choked up. Yeah. Um, because you could see how much it meant to him just because his kids never saw him uh, win. Yeah. And so for them to now be old enough to understand what's going on, right. actually see him uh, win was pretty, yeah. pretty cool. So. Well, I've got to tell you my Tavistock story. 
Um, um, for those of you who don't know, um, where we live, Lake Nona, is uh, the original home of the Tavistock Cup. If you've never heard of that, it's, it's kind of at the beginning of the year, and um, Lake Nona is a golf community, or it started as a golf community where a lot of uh, PGA players live. And then on the west side of town in Orlando, uh, there's another uh, neighborhood, and I can't remember what the name of it is, Belle Isle maybe, but um, there's a bunch of golfers that live there too. That's where Tiger lived for years. Uh, and then recently they've added uh, sawdust down in Miami. But anyway, Tavistock Cup is when uh, the PGA players from Lake Nona and the PGA players from the west side of Orlando would get together at the beginning of the year and, and play each other in, in teams. And the winner would be the winner of the Tavistock Tavistock Cup, and they held it for a year. That's amazing. So anyway, and the gallery is made up of people who are invited only. In other words, there's about there, the year that I went, which was 08, I think, which actually was the, the last year he won a major. Um, the the um, There's a, maybe 1,200 people there uh, okay. at the whole place. So anyway, um, the, the first uh, tournament that year was in Miami. And so um, it, he played Monday morning. It starts on Monday morning. He played Monday morning because he was tied with somebody uh, on, on uh, he, by he you mean Tiger? Tiger on Sunday. So you know everybody's waiting for him to tee off because he you know he's kind of the especially at that time was the big draw. Right. Uh, even though I mean there was obviously a bunch of other players who were right. in Central Florida. But anyway, so everybody's waiting, wondering is he even going to make it because he's playing well. About 10 o'clock, when it was time for him to tee off, right. this helicopter comes <laughs> flying in, lands on the first green, I mean the uh, first tee, he steps out of the uh, helicopter, bag in tow, steps up, tees up, boom, <laughs> knocks up. It was unbelievable, crazy, crazy scene. Well, anyway, this, this, this is so much fun to be a part of this. Because the gallery is right on top of these guys. You're hearing them talk. You're yeah. Hearing them, you know, and, and it's men and women, by the way. And it's two and neighborhoods it, going at it. So and they're like two trash neighborhoods talking going, and oh, stuff. Trash talking. I mean, it's great. And so um, I forget what hole it was. I think it may have been the 12th. We finally found our way back around to, to where Tiger was. And so he tees off. And uh, you know, that, down the fairway, starts walking down the fairway. We just, the gallery, just gathers behind him. Walking down the fairway, he approaches his ball. The first line of us I mean, is maybe maybe 15 yards behind him at That's the most. Awesome. And, I mean, you're right there on top of him. Yeah, again, How did you get invited to this? Well, a friend who, yeah. It, it, the, not the, to say that you shouldn't have been or that it doesn't make any sense at no, all. it does not make any sense. No, a friend of mine who is a lobbyist. Uh, was he his uh, gotcha his uh, firm should have known it was politics. <laughs> <laughs> his firm uh, was one of the is one of the uh, groups that would receive. Gotcha. Okay. It was mostly sponsors right, and right, right. friends and that yeah. kind of thing. But I mean, it was that that was a way to watch golf. Oh yeah, that well, no, that's professional incredible. golf. I mean, it, yeah, you can follow anybody anytime on a golf course. But I mean, pro- professional <laughs> right. players, it was a great experience. So that's really cool. Tavis, and I have the I have the uh, shirt to prove it. I. I think mine was blue. I think I think I had the Lake Nona teams shirt, but that's I'll have awesome. To go hunt that up. Well, that's a good story. I'm glad we could uh, indulge Jad with that one. <laughs> okay, so now 
um, we're going to transition to the message. You preach from Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Just give us a two-minute summary of the message. Yeah, the idea is where, you know, Paul's moved into the application part of the uh, book where we're, we're seeing how the mystery, which is the there's no longer a wall of partition, the Jews, the Gentiles, together forming the, the new people of God, the church, uh, how that's going to have to be played out. What are some of the practical implications of that right and so it's the beginning of paul talking about look you cannot continue to live as the gentiles lived in the futility of your minds and the hardness of your heart and you know those kinds of things and he introduces uh the idea of what uh progressive sanctification actually looks like and he uses the uh analogy the metaphor i guess of changing clothes, the put off and right. put on. And, uh, and so that was kind of the gist of the message, introducing really progressive sanctification, what that's going to look like, and the, um, really the, di- the, the <laughs> dilemma, the dilemma uh, <laughs> of, okay, what, is it us or is it the Spirit? And so he right. begins to introduce that idea here. And it's, so it's walking in the dark, Versus walking in the light, Correct. it's taking off the old man, putting on the new. Right. Um, it's classic Pauline language mm-hmm. um, here. And it's one of the things I think that can happen from an application perspective when uh, he's very straightforward about this is the tendency to think, okay, is this just behaviorism? Right. Is this just right. a matter? Is from, As we read this, it's the application when we walk away. Okay, here's the application. Stop doing the deeds of darkness and start walking in the light. Stop doing X behavior, start doing Y behavior. Right. Um, how do we avoid that sort of uh, approach to responding to this message? Well, we have to keep in mind that we cannot read, you know, chapters 4 through 6 without having read chapters 1 through 3. Right. And, and part of the problem in, you know, preaching a long series is that we, we quickly forget that, look, we... We, we are dead in our trespasses right. and sins. Dead men cannot put off and put on. That, that, that even the good works that uh, he created us to do, he provides the power for us to do. And so that you have to keep in mind that even the, we have no power to do the good works apart from the Spirit of God. And I get into that a little bit in the message. We can talk about some of that application later. But the behaviorism thing is really an important issue. I mean, because it, it um, you know, people can easily, easily get tripped up. Yeah, I, w- I think it's probably the, the going towards behaviorism or going towards licentiousness. The behaviorism probably is just the the sort of legalistic tendency. Right, right. And then on the other end of that, you've got the, well, no, we're, it's not about behaviorism, so therefore right. behaviors don't matter. Right. And those are obviously the two classic responses here. I think, in depending on um, how you grew up and all these things, right. you might, and personality and all, everything, you can maybe tend towards one or the other. I think this kind of message um, taken apart from the first three chapters. And if you lopped off the end of your message where you, you know, explained why right. this is not what should happen, um, sort of lent itself towards this simplistic, 
Um, Our fallen natures, we, we skew in, in one of those directions. I mean, we're either going to be uh, people who are self-righteous, where we, we, we try to prove ourselves that we are good enough, right. and that, that skews us in the direction of legalism, or we are licentious, hey, I am free, I can do what I want, I, these are my choices, I'm not hurting anybody else, and right. we skew toward the licentious. That, that's, that's who we are yes. in terms of our, our natures. And then there's also the, the category of where we really want to change. We do know right. that it takes grace, and we just find ourselves stuck in something. Right. And so we despair of changing because... Uh, we have not fallen into the licentiousness where we just don't think it matters. We do think it matters, and but the behaviorism doesn't work because we can't change our own behavior, and we and that can be sort of a um, depressing or discouraging place to be. Right. And I, I mean, again, the response to that could be, "Well, I just need to try harder." Yes. Um, or the response is could be to give up. Um, how do we avoid those two when we're in one, whether you call it besetting sin or just an, uh, circumstances where you don't feel like you can put on the new? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that the, the biggest issue is recognizing that um, we do have, because of we're new creations in Christ, that there is an... Uh, a new creation, a new inner man at work, and that that the recognition that, yes, we have a part to play. Paul said, I work harder than all of you, yet not I, but the grace of God is at right. work within me. There is this, uh, you work hard, we work hard to allow the Spirit of God to do the work that He needs to do. And, and that's one of the, I mean, one of the things that, uh, one of my first introductions to this whole idea of uh, put off, put on, the, the changing of the clothes thing, was in the 70s with, with, with Jay Adams, who was the father of, of uh, biblical counseling. And, I mean, it, he kept it really simplistic for us and, and saying, yeah, you can change. By the grace of God, you can change. He understood grace. Right. No problem. He, he gets a, a bad rap in one sense in terms of <laughs> uh, the whole behaviorism issue. Right. But okay. the point is he was fighting against this uh, therapeutic pull right. that was going on in Christianity and, and, and counseling at the time, Christian counseling at the time. And, and he was kind of fighting that move towards secularism and and so he did state things very strongly like you can change your habits in 6 weeks you know but <laughs> right. that was predicated on the fact that listen we serve a powerful god you can change that's what he was trying to right. communicate and it's very easy for us now and this is not on just this issue on any right, issue it's right. so easy to look back and oh that guy you know he went too far in this direction well part of the reason he went too far in that direction is he was one of the only guys yes. fighting against yes. an entire movement that was going the opposite direction. Right. So he probably, I would imagine, if he looked back on it later, um, or when he looks back on it in heaven, would say, yeah, I said some things that uh, maybe <laughs> maybe I took it a little too far. But it, it's pretty easy to uh, not right. begrudge right. him a little bit of that, given what he was trying to right. do. Well, I mean, he was a pretty black and white kind of guy, but that was what was needed at the time to kind of you know, sound that 
kind of clarion voice that right. says, no, no, do not go into the wilderness. Right. You know, this is, yeah. you know, don't go back to Egypt. We have to, you know, stay biblical in the way we think. And, and thankfully, there were many who stayed the course and began to, to pull, you know, uh, greater and more uh, nuanced applications of grace right. into, because, I mean, back in the 70s, we were saying, do not take any medication, do not, right. no, you do not need to do this, that's secular. Uh, I mean, not all of us were saying that, but some of us were. Right. And, and we needed, I mean, we needed, there was a desire for us to really live holy and righteous lives, but we, we still skewed in our old nature, even though we were you know, obviously Christian, we skewed in the direction of self-righteousness, one, because we were young and stupid, right. and two, because we had this great desire without the uh, full understanding of how grace worked. And, um, you know, we you got saw, a little older and started right. figuring and, it out a little bit more. And again, you saw people go in one direction. Yes. You said, no, we're going yes. the opposite direction. Right. Well, sometimes when you do that, you We you want go, to be a counterculture. Right. And, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, well, we went a little far afield. When we get yes. back... Um, we will talk more specifically about um, the malice, slander, foul talk from your mouth, some very specific things that Paul mentions um, in the context of this put on and put off. So we'll be back in a second. Hi, I'm Cherie, and you probably know that April is Autism Awareness Month. What you may not know is that one out of 59 kids are being diagnosed with this disorder, kids that are in your neighborhood or your church or even in your family. In fact, I have two amazing grandsons, Silas and Gideon, who have autism. They are such a joy to me, but their lives are challenging and their parents deal with the daily exhaustion and uncertainty and struggles of parenting special needs children. So this is what we're going to do. On Monday, April 22nd, I'm actually going to be talking to my daughter Janelle here on our podcast. We're going to be talking about what her and the boys' lives are like, and I would love for you to join us for what will be an informative and honestly a possibly emotional podcast. Feel free to invite that neighbor or family member or friend to join us too because they can use all the support that you can offer them. All right, so this idea of... uh the clothing is used, you know, putting off, putting on, putting on new clothes in particular is used, um, not just by Paul, it's used in Revelation, uh, the the clothes in Revelation 7. Back to your message. (laughs) It's always wise um, (laughs) to bring in my messages, but yeah, the Revelation 7, and then you used the passage from Matthew 22. Right. Where... Marriage feast. Yeah, the marriage feast parable... He saw there a man who had no wedding garment, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. Um, this guy didn't put on right. new clothes. He didn't put on the righteousness of Christ. Right. Um, he never did, and he still tried to sneak in. Um, he probably didn't even realize who's sneaking in. He just showed up and 
it was not dressed appropriately. Right. Um, that can be a pretty scary thought. Well, and it puts some urgency behind the put off, put on. Um, if we're not wearing the right clothes, we're going to get cast out. Yeah, Jesus didn't seem to be too concerned about nuancing things. I mean, he would a little like Jay Adams that way. Yeah, yes, he (laughs) would. He would clearly, you know, it's like, you know, you. If you don't do the things that I say, you know, if you don't, if you're not obedient, if you, um, you're not going to make it into yeah. the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that there, he was really straightforward, and there is meant to be, you know, what you say that, well, but I, you know, cast out demons in your name. I did this in your name, and I, I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I mean, he, he, there is. This is a serious. Thing. This is not just Paul saying, hey, listen, this is a cool metaphor of how to think about this. <laughs> right. No, no, no. This is, look, I'm trying to help you recognize that it's as clear as taking off one set of clothes and putting on another. You've got to take off the deeds of darkness. You've got to put on the deeds of light, or you're not a child of the living God. And we know it's not... Um behaviorism we know it's not legalism because of the first three chapters of ephesians of course right but also even in those illustrations there's an element of um when i cast out demons in your name and i did this no it's not the deeds itself right that's not the point it's the relationship the relationship it's the clothing being the righteousness of christ that is the clothing and you know we always get into this thing where we have to remind ourselves that the behaviors should change but it's not the changing of the behaviors that is saving you right it's you get saved and then the behaviors change so when the behaviors don't change that should be a sign uh that something is not right right and sometimes it's what's not right is you're still fighting you know clinging sin and we and we think that we're kind of people who can break up our uh inner man into categories it's almost like well yeah i mean sure i do there are these bad actions but i'm basically a good person it's like right. no 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 you you do the things that you do because there are ways that you think about things there are ways that you process things these there are motivations there are loves there are desires there are you know uh, Addictions. I mean, there are things at work in you that all of that gets renewed. It's not just that your behavior changes, but the way you think about things changes. You're not trying to be self-righteous. You're not trying to earn his favor. You recognize, you know what? I can't earn his favor, and he's going to have to change me. He does, and then we, you know... That's where the good behaviors come from. Right, and that's what you got to at the end of your message when you got into the renewing, this is how we're actually changed, Right, is the renewing of our minds. This isn't just changing behaviors. It is um, changing our minds. It's our minds becoming um, more like the mind of Christ. It's there. We go from being dead to being alive, and that changes the way we think about things. And when I... When I was listening to the message and I'm thinking to myself, okay, 
because one of the things that I can do is, you know, then go search and, and find things that are not uh, behaviors that have not been changed the way that they should have been and get concerned about that and say, well, wait a second, if I'm, if my, you know, if I'm wearing the clothing of Christ, how in the world am I still, you know, sinning in this way? And the encouraging thing about how you ended the message is I do know that my mind is being renewed. I do know that Mm -hmm. the desire to change is there, that I recognize that um, I need to change. And there, there is evidence of that, right? Not in every area all the time, but there is evidence of that renewing of the mind. And it helps me to think about, you know, how concerned should I be for this individual in my life or this individual uh, where I see, th- and it, and it's not about me seeing things in them where I'm like, well, that person's not a Christian because right, they just right. did, they just smoked or they just did this or whatever. It is, I, you know, I don't see a renewed mind at all. Right. Or I do, and so I'm not concerned about that part. It's just a specific yeah. issue that needs to be addressed. Well, that's why in the beginning I said this is kind of the introduction, if you will, uh, Paul gives us to the whole idea of progressive sanctification. As opposed to conservative sanctification. Well, yeah, <laughs> as opposed... <laughs> no. As opposed to entire sanctification. Uh, we have been set apart by Christ. When we're born again... We have the Spirit of Christ in us. We're set apart. We are born again by the Spirit of God. But we are also still dealing with the corruption of our hearts, the corruption of our minds. There is still the stain of this sin in our lives. And so once our minds are renewed, that doesn't mean we totally think like Christ. Right. We have, I mean, p- part of the renewing of the mind is the understanding and reading and then application of the Word of God. We don't just suddenly know how to do things right. Right. We have to understand what we, we know to think biblically but what does that even look like if I don't know what the Bible has to say? And so there are there, there's a submission to the Word of God as the inerrant and sufficient Word. We have to believe that it's sufficient to change us. Right. But it, it's not going to change us magically. We have to know, we have to understand, or at least begin to understand, what is it saying, what does it mean, and how does that apply now? And so it's a process. Hmm. We progress, we mature, we grow in our ability. So to answer your question specifically, when you're, when you're seeing things in your own life or you're seeing things in other, you can tell when a person is pointed in the right direction. They may be moving very slowly and frustratingly <laughs> slowly. Right. But like, they, like JJ, for instance. Yeah, they, wow. but, they, <laughs> but they are moving in the right direction. And thank God that we understand that we're, you know, that every time we slip and fall, we're not, it's not go back to, you know. Right. Square one. Square one. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to think of where that is in Monopoly. But, you know, go back to, <laughs> don't pass go. Don't, right. play, you know, we have to go back to the beginning. I'm messing this up <laughs> big time. But the point is, no, it's get back up. And continue to move forward. Get back up isn't pull yourself back up. 
It's the recognition. No. He has forgiven me. Mm-hmm. I am a child of his. I can get back up. Relate relating to him in that forgiving father kind of way and say, you know, I want to continue to move forward. I want to continue to please him. I'm sorry for what I've done. You know, it it is a process. Yeah, it really is. And I think it can be very, very encouraging to consider as you fight your sin that this is, it is not a matter of, you know, when you fall, you just go back to the beginning. Let let me say the prayers again, and right and right. go again. It, no, you're in a lifelong fight. Yes, and if you are fighting, you're winning. Right. If it's when you are when you lay down your weapons and say this is this isn't going well. This is too tough. Um, I'm not seeing the progress I want, so I'm not going to fight. That's you know that's right. when you and honestly, if lost. you lose if you lose sight of the fact that you're broken, that, you know, there is still the, the sin nature there, and, and sin is right there with me. And if I'm, as um, um, the Puritans would say, if I'm not, Owen would say, if, if, you know, if I'm not killing sin, sin is killing right. me. It's right there. It's crouching at the door. It's ready to spring upon me. I have to be alert, not paranoid, but I have to be alert to the fact that I'm still broken and I can still sin and I can still fall quickly. Yeah. We don't live in fear. We just live with the, the I think, humble recognition that apart from the power of God, apart from the grace of God, we are going to fall. We have to continue to keep our eye on the prize and we have to stay close and uh, in relationship with him and as recipients of the grace of God. One thing before we close, I want to ask you, this is a sort of random question, but it's not that random. If there's one area that you would say there's going to be more, so no, just pick one. Pick an area where you feel like um, people have lost the even thought that we need to put off a particular thing. If you could, this is like a broad survey of you can limit it to, let's say, you know, American Christianity. Mm-hmm. If as you look, as you survey that, is there anything that comes comes to mind when you think of this? Is when it comes to applying the word to a particular area and putting off the old man, putting on the new. This particular area, it seems like everybody's lost even the understanding that this needs to be put off. Yeah, I. That is a really, really tough question. Because where my mind goes is not a particular thing that people feel that they need to put off. Don't feel that they need to put off. I mean, don't feel that they need to put off. But more of a thought process in terms of, well, because of the grace of God, I don't need to think in terms of putting off Hmm. and putting on. Okay. That the grace of God is... uh, there and I can really, as long as I'm living in the good of the grace of God, as long as I recognize that it's not me, but it's Him, and that I just need to stay connected to Him, I don't have to worry about working to put things off. 
I can just kind of go with the flow and, you know, I'm going to fall. So if I fall, I fall. Right. But I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to work at it. I think there's this understanding of grace that it is a trump card and that you don't need to think in terms of accountability. That's legalism. That's somebody telling you what to do and what not to do. You know, I don't need to think in terms of, you know, studying the scripture. Oh, no, no, no. I just, I can, uh, I mean, I love to read the Bible, but I don't have to study scripture and, and work hard and journal and take notes and tell, ask people to help me and to ask me good questions. No, no, that's all legalism. That's all us getting all messed up in each other's lives. It's like, no, that's what community is. It's getting messed up in each other's lives because we have messed up lives, and we need to be a part of one another. That and approach takes sin so lightly. It does. It's, it does. It, no, it, it's... I don't need to actually strategize against sin right. I don't, and the devil. I don't need to actually put in place... Um, these defenses. I don't need to... It, no, no, no. no. Right. It, it treats sin like... not Sin is a defeated enemy... But it is still a dangerous enemy, right? And it is still an enemy. And, and so when we when we right. approach it like what you're talking about, it's it's dismissive of sin in a way that is, uh, I think, probably arrogant. That's right. We don't want to be in fear of sin, and so that's its own category of thing. But we don't want to ignore it as if right. it doesn't still exist, right? And the approach that you're talking about that a lot of folks are taking is, um, it's such a light thing that I don't I don't have to strategize right. against it. I don't have to study the Bible and find ways of defeating it, and that's, I think, probably a little naive. Oh, well, and I mean, it, it, it is very discouraging when, you know, you want to ask someone, because you love them and you care about them, that, you know, how, how is your devotional life going? And <laughs> how, and, how dare you? And their response, you know, is, th- that's legalism. Right. I have it when I have it. Right. You know, and, 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 you know, I don't even necessarily believe in a devotional life the way you're talking about. That's just so religious. Or I do, but you bringing it up right. discourages me. Right. And so why did you bring yeah, it up? Because don't, don't remind now, me. Now, not only am I not doing it, but I feel bad about myself. Right, right. And now, you know, I'm whatever. Yeah. And it's, the emphasis is obviously not on... Well, and the notion that you're never supposed to feel bad about yourself. I mean, it's just like, I I know you should feel bad about yourself because you know what? You sin and you mess up and you're you're not making it, dude. It's, this is right. Christian life is not a cakewalk, right? You know, this, this is hard work and there's suffering and be careful lest you fall. Yes. That, I mean, this is not, you know, we don't want you to come listen to apply the word so that you can recognize that you should feel bad about yourself sometimes. <laughs> but applying the word is is not for people who don't uh, care about growing. Right. And in order to grow, you've got to fight sin. And you've in order to have the desire to fight sin, you've got to recognize that it's your mortal enemy. Right. And that it's been defeated. This is not something we're doing to conquer it. That's been done. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but it is an existing thing still in our lives that is dangerous, that can uh, cause us to fall, and that is we have um, the Word of God that instructs us on how to deal with it, and it's not to be ignored, and sometimes it is, and um, that is to the detriment of whoever's ignoring it. I will say, 
one thing did come to mind, and then we can stop. Um, I do think that one of the things that, that we're fighting in this culture is that sense that what is the most important thing is for me to be able to express myself in terms of what I feel, what I think, how I, and that that, that is healthy for me to just be myself. And uh, I, I think people not taking seriously the way they talk about other people, the way they talk about um, how they feel about um, other people, and just the freedom uh, that people use um, in terms of their language. And, and I'm not really talking about cussing here. I'm just talking right, about right. just attitudes. And I, have, I can freely express this because that's healthy. I think that people do not feel like they need to put off slander, malice, foul talking, meaning just you're, right. you know, you're lying, you're you right. know, whatever. That, I, I do think that that is one thing that people just don't think they have to concern themselves with because it's healthy to say what I'm thinking. Right. And that to- that's a big topic. I yeah, think that big topic. that's something that it'll be f- fun as we go further along in Ephesians to address at length and specifically because self-expression is uh, the the ruling value idol of the day. Yeah, it's it's um, it's the value yes. that people think's biblical. And it's and it's used to ignore that you just quoted Colossians 3, 8 and 9 and those types of scriptures are are easily waved away. No, right. I'm not actually slandering. I am expressing myself. And self-expression in and of itself is a good thing. Right. And to not express myself is a bad thing. And so, therefore, this can't be what this passage means. Yeah. Self-expression, when you have the wrong perspective and the wrong facts, is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And also, self-control is a thing. Like, right. there's all sorts of—again, this is a big right. topic, and we should address it individually. But I think that you're right. That is one area— where there's no interest in putting off right. and putting on. No, right. this is actually a good thing. And that's how I think a lot of times we lose sight of the need to put something off is we take something that should be being put off and we say not only should we not be putting it off, but it's actually a good thing. Right. And that happens all the time, and that's, that's right. one of the issues. All right, we've gone long enough. Um, we'll address that more specifically later in Ephesians, and we'll get into it at more length. Next week, though, we are going to be having... Uh, my sister Janelle on and uh, Cherie Phillips, my mother, and we're going to be talking about um, two of Janelle's only two children are uh, um, autistic. She has Silas and Gideon. Silas is four and Gideon's mm, almost five, three, no, five and three now. Yeah, five and three. I'm not a very good uncle, um, <laughs> even though they love me the most. We're going to be talking about how the church can serve yes. families uh, that are affected by autism. I think it's going to be a very, it's a very specific apply the word conversation about an issue. This is Autism Awareness Month, um, and so we thought it was a good time to talk about this, and I think that Janelle's thoughts are going to be very, very valuable. So I encourage you next week uh, to listen to Apply the Word. Thank you for listening to Apply the Word on uh, April 15th here, Tax Day. Thank you for taking the time to do that. We will be back, like I said, next week to talk with Janelle and Cherie um, 
about how the church can serve uh, families that are affected by autism. I'm looking forward to that conversation. I hope these are valuable. Um, give us some feedback on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, and we'll see you next week.